This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey guys, we're back. Happy Tuesday. I want to do a huge announcement right up front, and I'm very serious about this. We've been teasing it for a while. Coming this Sunday is probably our longest film ever. Can you do it in the the movie announcer voice for the trailer Coming announcer? This Sunday. Yes, there we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the longest film we've ever done. It's true. <laughs> it is. It's going to be probably about an hour and a half, our road trip to South Dakota. I didn't expect it to be long. But then when we started breaking down all the stops we made, all the stuff we saw, it just naturally became a really long film. The first cut of it was three hours. We're not releasing that cut. We're not, not going to do that, that to you. <laughs> we, but we've, we've, we've really cut everything down. So everything is, is really kind of fast moving. But there's, so, there's like 12 or 14 sections. So it's a 90-minute piece that is coming this Sunday. We're releasing it on a Sunday on purpose. Sunday afternoon it will release. There'll be more information coming. I really, really would like you guys to watch it on Sunday. If you have any interest at all, watch it on Sunday because yes. that will set the trajectory for this piece. And as a big piece, it needs that initial interest. I mean, always the case on YouTube, but that initial interest is going to set its trajectory and have other people find it. And we have a lot of fun on this road trip. And we see a lot of places that you and I were really surprised by their beauty and how good the road was and how much fun we had. This is a great American road trip. And we love that we did it. And Mm -hmm. we love doing these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. It's also during the trip, I I hope this comes across. And only, Todd, you've seen the edit so far. So you tell me if our joy about just doing road trips is apparent. Yes. We're having fun, Mm -hmm. even though the cameras are turned on. (laughs) We're still having fun. You and I are still having a great time Mm -hmm. doing the road trip, just being out and seeing stuff. And seeing weird stuff. I mean, we always chase these funny funny roadside attractions. I forgot about a third of the Yeah, I sent you the list of everything we went to, and you were like, oh my gosh, we did see all that, didn't we? That's right, I forgot about that. It was amazing how much stuff we saw. So we really hope you guys will watch that. We would love to hear your comments. We'd love for you to share. Again, it's going to be movie quality, so you can just sit down with a beverage of choice and maybe a meal and just enjoy a movie on us. And thank you guys for your interest. Again, this is the Lotus and the C8. It sounds completely mundane. We're going to go see Mount Rushmore. That's really the, that's like the headline. That sounds like okay. a family road trip. Let's just, and what let's you just did as a family kid. road trip to Mount mm-hmm. Rushmore, you know, wah, wah. but the route we picked, the roads we were on, the stuff we saw along the way, it became, it just, it grew naturally. And now it's this huge piece. I'm very excited. Lots of edit is going on, but I wanted to warn you that it's coming. I wanted to, to really push you to watch it because that will help us. I mean, at least we think we're funny. And I always tell you, yep. as long as we're having fun and we entertain ourselves, mm-hmm. mission accomplished. There are a couple moments in it <laughs> that even though I've seen it a lot now, no matter, any time it rolls by, it makes me laugh. Okay, because good. one of us gets so caught out by the other one okay. in the laugh. And that and that's what translates. I mean, there's there's funny moments in general, but the funny moments that, that, that you and I kind of see coming, mm-hmm. they hit the first time really hard. Good. But the ones where Good. you and I get surprised by something and can't help ourselves, <laughs> that is fantastic joy in there for sure. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. 
That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest. All the cars. One search. Our topic Tuesday came to us from Jeremy H. on Facebook uh, mm-hmm. about a month ago as of yep. this recording, and it's entitled Goodbye to the Renaissance of the Motor Car. Hmm. Jeremy wrote to us saying with the farewell to the Camaro Challenger and Charger, the continuous shrinking of manual transmission availability and the creeping influx of EVs, would it be fair to say that we are in large saying goodbye to a new renaissance of the motor car? Mm. In Jeremy's eyes, this era began somewhere between the intro of the late 90s LS engine and the intro of the reimagined Mustang and GT40 in 2005. Mm, Okay. His question is, what car released over the last 20 years may go down as the symbol of the era? Which one would we use as an example of either the turning point or pinnacle of engineering and design. Is this a rabbit hole question? Yes, it is, Jeremy. (laughs) Yes, that's what Topic Tuesday Mm -hmm. questions are. Absolutely, yeah. Or he writes, does something stand out as obvious? Yes to both, in my opinion, and I I have my choice. I've done a little research. I broke this down differently than you were probably intended, Jeremy, and I'm sure differently than you you did, Paul, which is one of my favorite things about how we do this, is we both tackle it on our own. But I actually went back to the 80s. And I picked turning point cars that created a rise in certain things happening in the market that we're seeing still happen now. Okay. So I've got 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. Cars that when they came onto the market, they were definitive for that time period and shaped either something going on in the market or their automaker in general. You mean the company and the company direction, the company ethos? And how we think of that company or whatever. So I I did 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. I've got a couple for just about each. I only went back to the 80s. I'll I'll, I'll stop here briefly, and then I want to hear from you, Paul. But I only went back to the 80s for one reason. Because they were awesome? the Countach, which technically was introduced in the 70s. But the Countach in the 80s, I think that is the harbinger or the announcement of the coming of the hypercar. Oh. I mean, yes, the Mira existed before it. There were other cars in the 80s. I know Miami Vice existed, and they had the Testeros and that kind of stuff. But the Countach is the car. Its release and existence in the world is more madness than sense. And be and after that, <laughs> the company still doesn't make sense. True, but but after that, I feel like so many other companies started to make things that didn't make any kind of product sense. They were just the big swing for the fences of crazy. Pulling money out of rich people's yes. wallets. And we're still seeing that all the way up to this alpha that, that was released last week that is super yeah. exclusive. Yeah. But the Countach, I think, sets the bar that begins the trajectory that winds us up in hypercars. 
Huh. And that's the 80s. Again, released in the 70s, but its perception comes out of the 80s. It is the definitive car okay. of the 80s. I see that. And I think it creates all of those other automakers that have done anything really nuts comes from the Countach craziness. That set the tone, and then the 90s mm-hmm. proliferated, and then 20 years passed, yes. and, and yes. then now and here we are with at. the Alpha gotcha. that they make 33 of. Yeah, Jeremy, I have wrestled with myself. Okay. Wrestled with this question. Okay. I dislike the answer that I have come up with. Okay. I have some on here that I was like, I have to put that. I, I don't want to. It hurts me, but I have to put that. Yeah. It hurts me to arrive at the conclusion that I have, but I think it's right. Okay. I mean, I would prefer, Jeremy, to choose a Ram TRX or a <laughs> okay. Raptor R or okay. a Porsche anything or something powered by an AMG engine. I would love to point to any of those and say, yeah. Those cars are strictly emotional. And so I have chosen the Toyota Prius. Interesting. Okay. All right. Unpack that, please. I hate that I have. Unpack that. Everyone, I I hate this. (laughs) Okay. But the deeper I went, the more that it made sense to me Hmm. in regards to your question. The turning point. Jeremy, mm. where you said that the example that is, of a turning that is good. point. That is a good, I'll give you, I don't have that on my list, but that's a very good one. And a pinnacle of engineering and design. Mm. I'm starting with the definition, the Latin root of the word Prius, which means to go before. And the way Toyota used it was to get this done before the 21st century. Mm. To come before mm. the 21st century with their newly developed hybrid system, which was to double the fuel efficiency and have the emissions. Yeah, and you're right. A tall order. And as soon as that happens, there is a sea change in the industry. That's yes. interesting. I see I see how you got there. I did not expect this. I didn't All either. Right. <laughs> I, you were like, darn it. I kind of hate myself. <laughs> okay. We have a Prius, and you probably all know by now that we're doing stuff with yeah. Prius, and we haven't suddenly become huge fans of the Prius, but the new one is pretty good. But I am saying about the Prius because starting with when it was introduced, it was late 97 in Japan and yeah. globally in the year 2000, mm-hmm. but this is the world's first mass-produced hybrid car mm. created by Takeshi Uchiyamada. He was a man who worked for Toyota for 54 years and fulfilled his childhood dream of becoming an automotive engineer. And when you want to become a car designer or an automotive engineer, you think, I want to work on AMG whatever. I don't care. (laughs) It's got to have a Porsche whale tail on it. Supercars only. Yeah. Giant (laughs) wings, dihedral doors, huge wheels and tires, massive brakes, all of the power. And it costs, well, I can't afford one, but I'm designing the thing that I can't afford. (laughs) But no. He wanted something that provided an answer to a car-based society with the theme addressing issues that others were not doing or maybe not paying quite as much attention to, including topics like the aging of society Mm. and car accidents, traffic accidents, and fuel economy, but most importantly, building a platform upon which new technologies could continually be introduced. Mm. Nobody said Mm. hybrid. Nobody talked about hybrids when I was in design school. Nobody was saying hybrids. Everybody was drawing what they thought, oh, this could be a cool EV with pancake motors in the hubs. Mm-hmm, We're just mm-hmm. beginning to see that. Mm-hmm. This could be some sort of cool supercar or a family car, but it's got a V12 in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I take your point. You're right. But this is a, that's a watershed hybrid. moment. Hybrid? That's fascinating. To the point where even supercar manufacturers, like I think you'll touch yeah. on, now supercar, hypercar manufacturers are producing what? Hybrids. Koenigsegg, Mm. Pagani, Lamborghini, Mm. Ferrari, McLaren, 
They're mm. producing hybrids to gain new performance benchmarks. Interesting. All but right. still adhere to what everybody loves, old school principles. The old school still a nod back to our history and our roots, but we have to look forward. That's what the Prius opened up and made it acceptable and socially wow. okay and cool for people to say, hybrid. I bought a hybrid. What is that thing? The first mm-hmm. generation was a sedan only. It's been a hatchback. It's And the first generation was ugly then. and laughable. And it had drum brakes in the rear. Yes. The yes. wheels just held the back end of the car up off the ground from scraping. Barely. That's I, all they I did. Drove, uh, there was a guy at New Line that bought one first year. And he was so excited to show it to people. He showed it to me. Of course, this is long before the show. This was like year 2000. Crazy. I remember driving it around the block going, nope. Hate everything, hate everything <laughs> about this. Big old scoop of hate no. everything about this. But here we are. <laughs> no. 20, almost 25 years later, and we have one on the show. Yes. And everything in the Toyota lineup is offered in hybrid form. Yes. To the point where some of their vehicles are only hybrids. That's a great point. I had the not Venza. gone there, but I like where you where you wound up because it's a fascinating intellectual exercise. But what this has done has made hybrids cool, socially acceptable, and it provides a nice balance between both camps of everybody who says, no, EVs are the only way. Mm. No, gas power, that should mm. be the only mm. way. That's the only mm. way forward. And what about a nice balance? What about a balance within hybrids? Of maybe this is more of a a non-plug-in, so it's a mm-hmm. full hybrid, or this is a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. We're we're seeing all these variations in between and different levels of hybridization, depending on what that car manufacturer wants to get out of the performance. Well, I want you to get more maximum cruising range or or commute range. Okay, so our emphasis is more on the battery, but still, it's a real car. You can take it mm-hmm. on a road trip. What does that do to our design and packaging? Okay, that compromises this. All right. Nothing about the Prius has ever included driving fun and emotion. They left those two categories out. But for the first time ever, we were asked, is that the new Prius? (laughs) What? You're asking about my Prius? Yes, it's the new Prius. Why are you intrigued by the Prius? It's a Prius. What? Why? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, it's kind of, I don't know, kind of intriguing, kind of cool. So if this is where we're at now, Jeremy, think about what the future will bring us in terms of hybridization. Almost every car company has built some sort of hybrid and tried it out. I was going to go there. You can get hybrids from just about anybody you can think of. That's the other thing about it. They're all different too. Yeah, yeah. They all drive Mm. differently. They're all packaged differently. Mm. They all do different things. I think hybrids really are the way to go. And then levels of what you want to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. This is more sports car. So we're we're less about the battery, but it provides that torques, torque fill. Sure. McLaren sure. Artura. There's mm-hmm. going to be a nice balance. And as technology improves, as both mm. gas technology and batteries improve continually over the years. I mean, look since, you know, 20 years ago. They've vast improvement. Hugely, yeah. But the Prius represents a platform that Toyota can do anything with because mm. it was the first... So we can introduce whatever new cool sure. technology on the Prius platform. They even sure. tried different sizes. It mm. didn't really work out. Just do one. Just yeah. Doing one. <laughs> Prius is we fine. like thing. the one. We and then they like just the... hybridized the entire rest of the lineup. Yes. Yeah. The circus peanut orange one, I, the little thing. No. I think you've done really, really well here. Again, my approach was totally different, but that is a fantastic conclusion. In spite of being a conclusion that we as a driver <laughs> show go, darn it. Still, I feel dirty. Yeah, I know by, you do. By saying all this. I, I, I can redeem you a bit, I think. <laughs> I want to say... Anything that Dodge dropped a Hellcat into yeah, yeah. defined everything about what we love about burning tires up and yeah. turning gas into noise. That's yeah. what we love about Hellcat engines or something, <laughs> you know, profound <laughs> like that. That's I what like I wanted. I like but it. no, that's that's where I'm left. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go. I, I did my 80s. Now I got to go 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. And I'm thinking of 
definitive cars of each of those decades that, again, have either defined a rise in a trend, and you, again, you went really well with pr- hybrid, defined like a rise in a trend or set their automakers on a s- specific trajectory. In the 90s, I have three cars. The Mazda Miata, which technically was introduced in 89, but the MX-5 but still, Miata. I, oh, yeah, absolutely. The Acura NSX. Ooh, good. And the Lexus LS. This is the rise of the Japanese car maker taking beloved car ideas and doing them better. The Lotus Elan is the definitive <laughs> little, yes. little convertible. The Miata is that, but it runs. The <laughs> yes. Ferrari is the definitive mid-engine car, but it never works and you can't take it to the grocery store. But the Acura NSX, you can. And the Honda went, let's go ahead and paint that red anyway. Seriously. The, the Mercedes S-Class is the definitive, smooth-riding, great, wonderful, executive-class sedan. And Lexus goes, how about that, but better, and it runs. Oh, and by the way, the service is great, and by the way, the reliability is awesome. The 90s was Japan was like, great ideas, we did it better with those that's three a, cars. Oh, that's good. The year 2000s, I've got, think about this for a minute. The names you know in the 2000s did definitive stuff that defined them. The BMW M3 of the 2000s was the E46 M3. Yeah. Porsche went water-cooled. And suddenly they had 911s that were water-cooled that were great, and then they introduced the Cayman Boxster that were water-cooled. I realize (laughs) the late 90s started this, but this was when those really landed in the general public consciousness. And I also think it's the time that took Porsche from a brand that people knew that liked Porsche to a cult because you had oh. the people pre-water cooled that were like, no, all, the, all that matters is the pre-water cooled cars. So they started stockpiling those and the prices start going up. But then people that didn't want to drive the weird rear-engined air-cooled thing, I don't know how I'm going to get serviced, is it going to run? The people that were never about that are like, Porsche, for the first time, because now they're water-cooled and can be serviced in a normal way, and they seem to <laughs> make sense to people. And you get a whole lot more power out of so those So water-cooled Porsches are in the 2000s. The Lotus Elise. Lotus, this storied racing brand, is now selling the Elise in the 2000s worldwide. And putting themselves on the map as Lotus sells the, one of the best sports cars ever. This is also huh. where Ford drops the GT40, a storied name from their past. They drop it down and go, hi, hello, we're Ford. We've come to play. <laughs> Remember us? Yes. That's good. And Corvette is releasing Z06 after Z06 that is awesome in the 2000s. Wow, that is excellent. I also thought of this. The 2000s is the rise of the CUV SUV defined by two cars. Technically, the Lexus RX, which was released like 98, 99, but the Lexus RX becomes a phenomenon and defines the luxury CUV in the 2000s. But then, in the early 2000s, five years after the RX was released, Porsche drops an SUV. And I bring that up because once Porsche does it, (laughs) there's there's no, this isn't something that certain brands do. This is something everyone does. Because they were considered a luxury car maker at, mm-hmm. the, at that point in time. It wasn't just sports car. They were luxury car manufacturer. And you did a what? The RX proves... Going against this is all your principles? Totally. The RX proves this is an untapped market that makes money. And Porsche goes, we agree. Oh, so that's the 2000s. When I started that's thinking about it, like good. the 2000s is crazy. And then the 2010s is interesting as well. The 2010s has the Ford Raptor, the rise of the super truck. You mentioned the TRX, but <laughs> the Raptor, uses. but the F-150 Raptor, nobody was making that from the factory prior. 
No, no. Even even the Wrangler and this kind of thing, which had existed forever, it's not doing what the Raptor does. The Raptor comes point. out, and now it's I'm going to daily in traffic a vehicle that. Why does this exist? It's the supercar of trucks. Shouldn't shouldn't be in traffic. And everybody else be, goes yeah. out to try to make one, which is why we wind up with the Dodge TRX, which both of you and I like. But it but it leads us to the Bronco and Bronco craziness. But it's the Raptor showing up in the 2010s that is the rise of the luxury super truck. The other one in the 2010s wow. is the Tesla Model S. That's definitive, okay? For sure. Because yeah. while GM did it first, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. the Tesla Model S is oh, but it's it's a luxury item that you want. They created want in SUVs, which I mean, pardon me, in EVs, which had never existed. Nobody. People bought an EV for a reason. They bought an EV for a statement. They wanted an EV for their personal political reason, whatever. Desire. Though. But an EV that you just want. That was Tesla Model S. And by the way, it was fantastic. The minute it was released, it was great. That's Tesla true. Model S is there. And then, the this is weird, but I have to bring up the FRS GT86 BRZ because it, okay. it defines two things. It shows the rise of the collaborations where automakers are now working with other automakers that it's like, well, that's interesting. Also, it's the return of Toyota. Mm-hmm. Toyota looking mm-hmm. around their, the entire automotive landscape and going, what are we not serving? Because they've been focused, to your point, on hybrids for a while. And them going, what are we not serving? If you look at the Toyota portfolio right now, it is probably the broadest of any automaker. I agree with that, yeah. That is a defining car for them, plus it ends up a collaboration with the the BRZ with Subaru, but that is before they collaborated with BMW to make mm-hmm, the Supra. Mm-hmm. So this is Toyota looking around differently. It's the rise of the collaboration. And then my last one in the 2010s actually technically is a 2020 event. It ends the 2010s, and that is the Hyundai Veloster N winning performance car of the year for road and track against supercars and Porsches, et cetera. It won Performance Car of the Year. That was the second-gen Hyundai Veloster N. And by that point, if you hadn't noticed yet, hello, the Koreans have come to play. With a front-wheel drive, turbocharged car. Yes. little thing yes. that should, on paper, not win anything. And is crazy fun. And it's crazy They released drive. the Veloster, which is, which when they first released it, it was a weird design. Then they made an N, and it was surprisingly fun. Then they made a second design version, and it was better and looked better. And then they made an inversion of that, and it was a phenomenal car to drive in one performance car of the year. That is, if you haven't noticed yet, Korea's making great cars. Yeah, they are. I also think Toyota was so focused on the Prius, they went, huh, okay, so we've solved that. Certainly for a decade what at least. What are we missing? We're missing something. We've for got more that than handled, a decade. But now everybody's trying to build a Prius or compete with mm-hmm. Prius or do something as definitive as the Prius because that brings out anger in anybody just like your your favorite you have feelings about the prius you do there are feelings yes some people love it you're a, a rideshare driver you you drive for a living and you need great mm-hmm. fuel economy and you just you need it and it really suits your life and you've got your prius other people you know there's you know, sports cars out there there's cars that are actually fun to drive mm. and like why would you ever consider Driving more. Why would you ever be climb seen into in my the Raptor same photograph and as run a over Prius? your Prius? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're a joke. Yes, to they super are. truck owners. Yes, but that super truck is so intriguing too. That never existed. No, 
Not Nobody from the cared. factory. Not from the factory. To you could br- build one. Uh, yes. Of course you could build one because you're that guy that goes pre-running in the in the week, whatever. But nobody's sure. selling one. Yeah, you see a pre-runner driving around, they're fine. I hope you take that off-road, and you probably do. Because also the interior of that one that that guy built himself is terrible because it's covered in sand, and he's, <laughs> he's been out metal. all weekend. Yes, exactly. He's got sand. a roll cage uh-huh. in it. But your Raptor will do that. While you sip a latte with cup holders and heated and cooled seats. <laughs> yes, air conditioners running, yes. favorite tunes going. Absolutely. Yeah. You're launching the cooler out of the back. I mean, and you're just laughing. <laughs> you're launching people out of the back. Totally, yeah. All right, Jeremy, I really like your question. Really appreciate it. Hopefully that uh, that gives you some insight. But I like that There's we came, conversation came in going. two different places, course, too. Yeah. That's really interesting. We do that. That's the thing about Topic Tuesdays. Of course, we've solved that, as we often do. <laughs> Check but that hopefully box. it's yeah. got you guys talking about it, too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We want to remind you that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is better brakes. An upgraded brake system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. Track, trail, or traffic, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter what your vehicle is or your driving style, PowerStop has a complete brake upgrade kit for you. Head to PowerStop.com. Fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder, and you'll be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, truly noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. We have both experienced firsthand the upgrade quality on our own vehicles. I've got the Z36 truck and tow pads and rotors on my Ford Expedition, and it brakes more powerfully than it ever has. Join the thousands of drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today. Power Stop. Brake upgrades made easy. Bernd E. is in Germany, asking us when and how to jump. He's got a fundamental car debate. He and his significant other are a family of two living in the countryside somewhere between Frankfurt and Wiesbaden, Germany. Next to the fun stuff that he will go over in a moment, they currently have two cars for commuting. Hers is a 2009 Renault Twingo. Okay. Doesn't even have 100,000 miles on it, and after a recent job change, her commute is now down to about 10 miles a day. Okay. Bairns is a 2010 Peugeot 207 SW diesel with 180,000 miles on it. Mm. That's a diesel. And his commute is 120 miles a day, 60 miles each way. Wow. Okay. All right. Pre-COVID, Baron added easily 25,000 miles a year, but mm. after some home office stuff is allowed, he is expecting about 15,000 miles a year. But the end for his car is visible on the horizon, and he wants to be mentally prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's coming. What's interesting is, Bernd has listened before. He has. He's paid attention. He yes. then tries to stop us at the pass and be like, guys, yeah. I don't need fun. I have fun covered. He said, <laughs> yeah. he, he goes into the motorcycles, the bicycles, the fun stuff that they have in their garage. He even lands at a 2001 Fiat Barchetta. He says, dark blue over burgundy. The point here is he has a list of many, many, many fun vehicles. So he's really trying to hone us down to commute, guys. This just <laughs> needs to commute. 
even kind of called me out. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling it here when you were talking <laughs> about us, when we discussed mm-hmm. the Californian who drove two hours for 40 miles, which he he's doing math here. Yeah. Get this 20 miles per hour average. And we proposed a turbo. So we would have more fun on the on-ramp to the freeway. But out of 7,200 seconds, that two hours, so five <laughs> seconds out of 7,200 seconds equates to 0.07% of driving time that won't cut it. Math has happened here. He's like, this is not what I'm looking Baron, for, guys. It's not about art, fun. I went to art school, buddy. I, I am not good at math. I tried math for a while. I got to calculus two or... You got farther than I, me. I got Bravo, yeah. pretty far and, and I hated it and I sucked at it. Uh-huh. And yeah, art school called. So... he wants as efficient and as electric as possible. And he says this Peugeot did a lifetime average of 51 miles to the gallon. And he experienced some rentals for business trips that would equate to about 55 miles to the gallon, like a Ford focus 1.0 turbo, the Mark eight T golf TDI. That is nowhere near good enough. (laughs) He's getting, he's getting, wait, let's stop here. He's getting an average of 51 miles to the gallon. And stuff that gets a little better than that at 55 miles per gallon is not even worth considering. It's not good enough. Mm, Wow. What's also interesting here is that in the process, he says he actually has a, a pretty high electricity level charger in his garage is that it's been in the in the house forever somebody may as well use it so he could charge pretty much fast charge in the electric at home he also mentions down here and i want to go here real quick he said he looked at the plug-in prius the mm-hmm. new prius prime now mm-hmm. 40 miles worth of all electric range but if you're following along he does 120 miles a day Okay, so you're blowing through the electric range. He said a full charge wouldn't cover his commute distance, so he'd charge it twice a day with charge time, still be using gas. That doesn't work. Burned, you are a person who a plug-in hybrid, which I'm actually a big fan of, doesn't work for you at all. Because what you want is efficiency. You want as little gas as possible. And plug-in hybrids are awesome for the normal commute. Thank you, yes. The normal person's commute is less than 40 miles. In fact, the normal person in a city area may do less than 40 miles, including errands, today. I went looking for global averages, okay. and I, could, I didn't have enough time to quite figure everything out, but what I could sense is, generally speaking, in Germany, it was about 45 minutes as an average. It seems a little high. Okay. I think okay. U.S., North America is a little bit closer to 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, we're extrapolating, of course, moving at all times rather than just sitting in traffic. Which so you wouldn't be, yeah. California is a different story entirely. So <laughs> we're, we're you know, estimating here. Baron gives us three different choices that he's currently considering. He jumps first and goes full on the efficiency game, which means he hopes his Peugeot survives another year or more. And then he buys... An Aptera. This is the U.S. made. Looks like a three-wheeler. It's technically not, but it looks like a three-wheeler. It's got the... Looks like the, it's creating lift at all times. Totally. Put it's, wings it, on that thing, and it's an airplane fuselage. Absolutely. It's a it It's a cockpit yes. on wheels with the outrider wheels in the front. And I'll be honest, it looks incredibly cool, and I very much want to drive one. But his like pie-in-the-sky version of this is, what if that was my next car? We've had people write in and ask wow. us if we think it's even legit... Burns going, what if I just buy one? They're saying you can still, I went to the website, Burn, and mm-hmm. you can still order one. You can still make a reservation. Every yep. time I see Aptera pop up in the news, I keep thinking to myself, you guys are still around? <laughs> You're still banging your head against the wall? You're still, but they could be refining it and they could 
actually win here. Well, they do, they didn't start as an all electric, and now they're all electric with solar panels. Talking about you being able to get, depending upon your configuration, up to a thousand miles if you get the big battery version. There's the quote unquote normal battery version, which is supposed to cost just over thirty grand. That is still supposed to be two hundred and fifty miles. But if you get all of the solar panels. You might, depending on where you live, and let's be honest, it's tested in California and Arizona, <laughs> right. you could get as much as 40 miles back because of the car charging itself off the solar panels. If this actually exists, the way it looks and what it does, I think is amazing. It doesn't exist yet. I haven't driven one. I would love to drive one. I would I, like to, to my knowledge, well. yes. no one has gotten one yet or really could even tell you the potential, not real, the potential delivery mm -hmm, date. Mm -hmm. This is, Bern, this is fascinating. I am fascinated by these. You are taking a real gamble on not vaporware, but close if you go with the strategy. He offers pros and cons for each of these choices, and he says maximum impact for buying mm -hmm. an Aptera, yep. the, the least amount of convincing required. He wants one, clearly. Yep, yep. And as you said, the best charge time and trip length factor. But the cons list include interim vehicle that he would have to buy until the EU version Aptera mm -hmm. is even available. And also, he wants to transport large objects. I did see on the Aptera website, they claim 32.5 cubic feet of cargo. The problem is the shape of that cargo space, yes, yes. not the amount. And you're right. If you're carrying anything like flat pack furniture or larger. His wife will have to do all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. She's going to have to do that. So option number two, he jumps first again, but half-hearted. He gets a late first-gen Renault Zoe Q90 with, with the larger 40-kilowatt battery, 43-kilowatt mm -hmm. onboard AC charging, or he does mention in passing a, a Nero or a Kona. Which were available in EV form and are over there as well, yeah. They are. I went and looked at those websites. He said, also, not too much convincing required. They are available with some searching, reasonable investment. Okay impact, he says, but somewhat long distance capable charge speed. Mm -hmm. In Germany, you have far better charging infrastructure than we do in North America. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just hands down far better at this point. The cons list include, the, include that the Q90 is not sold in Germany, so he would have to require, uh, that would require importing from the Netherlands or something, uh, a country similar close by. And then uh, the loss of large object transportation still remains. Mm -hmm. That's an issue. And then number three, the third choice, make her jump first. His significant other, he says, that allows for any EV for that short distance that she's driving, even mm -hmm. a Renault Twizy. <laughs> Didn't you and your wife, Kate, cruise around Monaco in a Twizy? We went around Monaco in a Twizy, <laughs> which was the perfect place to test a Renault Twizy. That's where Twizzies belong. Anywhere in the U.S., I would have felt like I was about to die. The Twizy <laughs> was perfect. It's perfect for Monaco. We, we, did, the, uh, we did the F1 track in a Twizy. <laughs> and I kept thinking, this is bloody fast enough. We're and good. then I kept thinking about F1 guys doing that whole thing in an, in an actual F1 card. I kept thinking, you know what? The Twizzy was fine, thank you. Twizzy is the, good. The, the difference, I would love to know how far around a lap of the F1 course a Twizzy would have to have a lead to even make it close at the finish at the end of a lap. About five feet from they the finish line. They would probably have to be about 50 yards from <laughs> exactly. the back to be, yeah, because it was not the same. Yeah, uh-huh. Anyway. Bern, how about our own uh, One Make Race Series with Renault Twizzies? Why hasn't mm. nobody started the spec race series with Twizzies? Because they don't run well. 
But anyway, separate thing. That was a good idea. Yeah, it it was a good idea, actually. Yeah. He says, even with that, it would be possible. He says, more like an early Zoe, Renault Zoe R240, smaller Mm. 22 kilowatt battery. I was looking at your charge capability in your house. You're currently renovating your house that will give you an 11 kilowatt charger. Most of the ones around us burned are best one I found is seven. Seven, yeah. That doesn't include the 50 kilowatt charger that is free from the local power company. But mm-hmm. of course, everybody wants to use it because of course, free power. And they're doing and it's it the to, only fast one. It's the only fast one around here. And they're doing it to like promote charging and mm-hmm. promote, you know, come use this charger. Well, now everybody with an EV has discovered that. So yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. cruising by and giving you the stink eye when you're charging your car. <laughs> I've had uh, various press cars. We're charging up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And people roll in and whatever, and they're just looking at me like, you idiot. I should be on there. How, how dare you use that? How dare yeah. you? I should have it. Yeah. And then you say public 22 kilowatt chargers. Those are good. But again, 50 is what you want. And you've got 350 kilowatt chargers in the middle of your freeways. I mean, yeah, true. there's only like two, no, eight of them down in Salt Lake. But yeah, this area still just doesn't have the infrastructure that we need. Mm-hmm. So I do like this where you say... A low investment, it releases her from driving Mm -hmm. a manual. She claims she wants to remain practiced, but the remain is a lie. Yeah. Minimal infrastructure hassle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it stretches his timeline enough for him to buy the Aptera later. But we don't know when the Aptera is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. been it's been on everyone's radar as a car enthusiast for at least a decade. Burn enough that they've changed their entire like platform and all, yes. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Minimal impact, lots of convincing required for him to go with option number three. And he says his money could be better spent elsewhere. And you're right. He looked at the Prius, not convincing. So what is the strategy? What should he do? He's also admitting option three is nonsense because then you're waiting. <laughs> he doesn't like it. <laughs> Come on, Twizzy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's cool. Burn, you I, I want to say again, I really like plug-in hybrid EVs for the average person's commute and the average person's usage. But they don't work for you. They don't. You, you want to get away You're from You're beyond gasoline, the average. So you are you, uh, that uh, does yeah. not work. I like the Aptera a lot. I I could can I kind of can't wait to drive that. I'm enough of a plane geek that I'm like Wait, I could drive that? <laughs> it's true. I, that, I could drive that? In a crash, those front wheels will snap off like F1 cars hitting the... Mm-hmm. Of course hit, they will. Well, hitting anything. But the fuselage itself looks like it'll really be fine. They, they've talked about how that... that it's, it's a teardrop shape on yeah. wheels, essentially. And so they've talked about how that is an amazing crash. So I'm fascinated by it. However... However, There's nothing to stop you. It's like no, you'll be sliding down you, the highway in that you thing. You may cut through other cars Just for all like, you know. Yeah, jump it into a river, and then you're like, it's, it's going to be a fantastic <laughs> chase seat. Like yes, not sliding underneath eighteen uh, wheelers. I could plan it right now. The movie but, writes itself. But Bernd, you are planning for the extreme end of EV vaporware. There, yeah, you're you're, you're yeah. setting up like my next car is by a company that hasn't sold one to the public yet. I I think that is a. a difficult strategy i like it but i think it's difficult i like your kona ev i think that's a good option i I don't have a problem with the pujo you brought up but there's one you really really overlooked the opal ampera that is the chevy bolt in germany the ampera they're out there like crazy i went those are the same prices as the bolt here 25 to thirty thousand dollars, and there are lots of them i went shopping in germany looking for them they have an average of a 60 kilowatt battery, which is 300 miles on board. We have driven it. It is an excellent, go. excellent usable EV that has anything you need to transport will fit in a bolt. It's a little bubble. That's true. The Opel Ampera 
is the Chevy Bolt in Germany. They didn't sell them for very long, but they are there. They are available. They run. We liked it. Every time we've driven one, we like it. Everyone we know that's bought one has liked it. Opel Ampera, and I'm done. I just saw GM is also discontinuing soon the Bolt uh, and the EUV version of it because they want that behind them. They they want to do bigger they, stuff. They keep deciding, okay, we're done. Oh, wait, that sells no, okay. We yeah. can bring it back. They, they yeah. don't know what they're doing. I don't think it's sold new in <laughs> they Germany. They don't know what they're doing. Seriously, right. anymore. But honestly, all of our experience with that car has been superb. And it needs to be on your list. Oh, that's good. Because, uh, Baron, I went looking at Honda, and much to my utter chagrin, Honda models over there look way better. They look really mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. actually. And there's a lot of choices. But you're right. If you're not convinced about the Prius having to do two charge cycles per day, you won't do any better with Honda, even though we really like what Honda is doing. Mm-hmm. Their new vehicles drive and are built superbly. They're really game changers, I feel like. I'm also wondering if you've done the math, since you're math guy, have you done the math Probably. on Deutsche Bond, uh, like buying a train ticket? You know, what, uh, <laughs> amortizing out a, a train pass. Today <laughs> on the car podcast, don't take the car. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's good. I like it. But to keep it at $30,000, I went looking and I found a 10-year-old Tesla Model S, Mm. 85, 30,000 euro. Who cares what the mileage is anymore on any EV? Who cares? 85 kilowatts, will that get him far enough in his day, though? Uh, With charging at his house at night with your newly renovated house Mm -hmm. and then charging at work, hopefully. But that, uh, that range should be okay. It should be okay. I think I, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll probably be about uh, 180 to 200 miles if I had to guess with the 85 it's, kilowatt. It's putting out like 385 kilowatts of power. Mm-hmm. So it's, but again, it's still an EV, so it's still yeah. going to be plenty, yeah, fair point. plenty yeah, quick. Good, yeah. But an early Model S, mm-hmm. that does give you any sort of transportation need. You yep. flip that, that uh, lift back open and you've got room for stuff. Fold those seats down. That's it's good. huge. That's good. But it is 10-year-old. I do love your Ampera idea because that's new. And mm-hmm. yeah, if they get rid of them, you've got a new car. This is a 10-year-old Model S. And mm-hmm. things are sketchy at that point because back to my commentary about what happens with all these decade-plus-year-old mm-hmm. EVs, the batteries have gone through a lot of charge cycles. On the other hand, it might just be fine. And... Mm. Shoot, you could probably get get one for less than that. But then again, you know, things will be updated with uh, with over the updates and you will have, you know, a fairly modern car and it's a larger car. But still, yeah, the battery is still 10 years old, 10 plus years old mm-hmm. at that point. So I'm interested if those cars will plummet even further in value to make them actually compelling or should you just go buy and, and take the plunge. But again, Baron, if you buy any other EV, you're going to pay more. Because I was looking at that mm. uh, Ioniq 5N, the N, the, the Hyundai yeah, N yeah. version of the, sure, their Ioniq, sure. which looks sweet, but it's not going to be 30 grand. It's and you don't need you the N, pay. and the N's still going to be more expensive. I thought about Unless you want to like go drifting with your EV. And <laughs> I thought about things like the EV6 and that kind of stuff, but we're breaking 30 grand, but not with yeah. the Ampro or not. That's a good one, man. Well done. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When we start into our questions, I have to go right here to Seth because it also allows me to talk about road trips again. He says, no questions, just a thank you. He was inspired by our road trips and he just got back from a six-day, 2,000-mile solo road trip in his Mazda Miata ND2RF. He visited all five Great Lakes and he's he's appreciating the inspiration of us doing road trips and sharing road trip films. And I'm going to say it again because I'm working awfully hard and I want you to enjoy it. Coming up this Sunday is our next and biggest road trip ever. On Instagram, h2o.st.44 says, with no significant battery technology changes on the horizon, why are we even hoping for a lightweight EV sports car? Mm. I've been researching battery technology. Financial Times has been doing a series of articles actually on battery tech and talking about global forecasts for the EV battery chemistry split. We're looking probably by 2030, so about seven to 10 years out right now for anything truly different. But the biggest reason is to tell the car manufacturers that's what we want because they all Mm -hmm. listen. All Mm -hmm. the, well, at least the design staff, much of the engineer, they're all full of car enthusiasts too. They're all consuming all the same media that we all are. They're all wanting the same kinds of things. And they're wondering, that's what concept cars at auto shows are for. Yeah, That's the whole point is to gauge customer interest. Mm. Will the audience even show interest? Will people ask Mm -hmm. the people, Mm -hmm. the the employees at the show stand, hey, when's this coming? Well, never, but if we built it, would you buy one? <laughs> I mean, that is the problem with concept cars. Is like, when can I buy this? Oh, we'll never make this. We'll We're not going to. Why this. would we make this? It's We're not going to do that. Got your ticket. That's just. But, made but you thanks buy a for ticket. coming over to let us know you're interested. Yeah. Don't you like We're not the making color? This. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? No. To gauge customer reaction, and if those concepts are built, and if people push as hard as they are on building the five seat flat four inch battery on the floor SUV people mover, that. <laughs> is uninspiring and they all drive the same. And the only difference is styling. If these are on the market and car companies are pushed that way and holding on to their ethos as a company, like that Ionic 5N, an N version EV, an N EV, that's, Mm -hmm significant that's interesting and yeah evs were plenty fast we didn't They're need the end version, but yeah now let's drive them plenty fast with all the power going sideways <laughs> anthony zerg is asking he said he's trying to figure out the most useless feature on modern cars and he offers up a couple he says is it a manual override on an automatic transmission that then overrides your suggestion and Makes a choice anyway. <laughs> That's up there. Or the ability to change the color of the internal mood lighting. Anthony, here's the thing about the internal lighting thing. I don't think, I could be wrong, because we've had all the Mercedes and all the cars that have done it. I don't think that the average person is dialing into the menus very often to change that. What I like about that is you get to select for you what would you like the lighting in your car to be, and I think mm. you do it once. Or the possible thing where, I mean, Mercedes has like the the mood generator, and Genesis has done it too. You choose a certain mode or mood, and the car automatically changes to a certain lighting. You're wondering with where that, that running water is coming from. Yeah, like, exactly. oh, that's the oh, stereo. That's, okay, that sound. <laughs> There's one, sorry, I have to call out again. Is it, it's, it's Hyundai that does the sound of a New York City street cafe as one of its soothing sound. Like people dropping silverware and picking up plates, and I'm pretty sure there's a kid crying in the background. I'm like, how high strung are you that that to you is the thing you'd really like to hear in (laughs) your car? That is (laughs) soothing. That brought you down? 
are you kidding? Or or are you a person who's, are, frankly, are you the Unabomber who's moved so far away from culture that you just, that's your only cultural touchstone now. Just listen to a New York City cafe. Anyway, oh I'm off, sorry, I'm off on a separate thing. But I actually think that the color changing thing is kind of cool because I don't think you use it like a kaleidoscope disco and are constantly changing it. I think you just set it kind of like you would your paint color and you're done. The automatic trans- transmission that won't listen is way up there. But I will say this. <laughs> It's lane keep assist you can't actually defeat. Oh, that's high on my list. That's oh. that that should not exist at all. Anything that only has a low setting. Mm, that's good. There's some driver assists that only do low. Yeah, yeah and I, yeah, I admit yeah. there are some safety things that shouldn't ever be able to be turned off. And ABS. I, ABS for sure. And I do like the the uh, reverse warning for mm-hmm. oncoming traffic. You know what? That's actually, Helpful. that's really saved my butt a lot of times. And uh, I appreciate that. And I don't need that to ever be turned off because it's only when I'm reversing. It's not when I'm doing any high performance driving. So, and if you drive fine. small cars like we do and you're parked beside yeah. any large truck, the fact that the car knows there's something coming is helpful. MD Schwering on Instagram saw a Buick Regal wagon the other day and really mm. liked it. As someone who could use the functionality of a wagon, he's curious as to why they don't get more attention and what are our thoughts on it? Mm. It's because you used the W word, wagon. Yeah. You said wagon. Yeah. That's it. Mm. Don't Canceled. say wagon. Hey, design team, what's your new stuff? Did, like, come present to us. Well, we're thinking wagon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at my phone. What did you but say? Wagons are cool. You didn't say wagon, did you? Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> did you say wagon? Is that what you said? It's market sentiment. And I'm I'm wondering out loud. You know, we, we wonder about all these SUVs. And... They are admittedly useful. They they are. They're they easy are. to get in and out yeah. of, and they carry a lot of stuff. Wagons are so great. Wagons are great. Yeah, it's too bad they have such. I mean, honestly, everybody. Vacation, the movie Vacation, killed the wagon for all in the U.S. public consciousness. It so really it's did. Hollywood is what I'm hearing. Uh, well, it's but Hollywood, but Hollywood fault. is the reason that everybody loves the Supra. And that's the same true. kind of thing we're, we're talking about Two here. Jay-Z. Look, look uh, MD, this the, this Buick Regal wagon, I will admit we have not driven it. Everyone I know and trust that I know that drove it said it was fine to drive. I'm sure it's just fine. Yeah. But I, I, if you want one, if you're interested in it, I think it is a perfectly good purchase. I would not buy it for driving enjoyment, but for functionality, I think they are great. RMN Attis also mentioned the KN Motor Company. Mm. Could it be that they decided the... The rebranding should be done that way on purpose to lift some of the stigma on the brand and have people subconscious not associate it with Kia. I suppose so. I, I, like I don't this know question. that that was the driving force behind it, though. I, I think what happened, because I actually think that new Kia logo that is just the script mm-hmm. is a fantastic logo. And the minute they introduced it, I was like, oh, that's so much better. Because the one they had prior, that little circle Kia thing, it just looked like a cheap company. It was just an ellipse with Kia in it. And yeah. it, and that the way that brand, the, the actual logo was printed or however they had it made, it never looked like a high-end logo. Mm-hmm. Like some mm-hmm. logos, like a BMW Rondell looks like a high-end logo. I mean, they've ruined it now. It's now a sticker. But prior to that, it looked like a really great logo. That Kia little circle never looked like a high-end car. It looked like a cheap item on the logo. The new logo looks great. The problem is people can't read it, which is kind of stupid that they can't. But yeah, they, now people think that K-I-A stylized is the is K and N. And we made fun of it in the recent uh, test drives. So you can certainly watch it there. I don't think it was on purpose. I do think they were trying to get a logo that that distanced them from their prior logo, but I don't think they saw this backlash coming. 
No, and my biggest problem with that is how can you see N? The diagonal is going okay. the wrong way. No, it goes see, no, see, left you're being smart. low no, to, to high on the right. It should just be... It's a teeter the it's other a, way. It's a, it's a it's a backwards end. It's a backwards end. So it's how are you reading end. that as an N? Like if that's what you see, is mm. that what your brain sees when you see that? That's, that's not the letter N. I, so I therefore, agree. if it's not the letter N, what else is that logo saying? Hmm, look at it again. Don't just be like K N or whatever. Look at well, it again. But I still think they could have done the littlest bit of a cross piece, just like a stylized cross piece in the, the not even thinnest, going all the way across. The just a little, thinnest. not even, a, just, I'd like to see a little like half arrow that yeah. comes out of the left side of the A, like pointing toward the other side. So it's not even a full bar. <laughs> And it would have been it would have been more readable. Maybe they need to write in Times New know. Roman font below Kia. <laughs> this is Kia. Arrows. <laughs> Comic Sans. Yes. Oh, now Terrible. I get it. Thanks oh, for the Oh oh, oh Kia. Oh, I see. <laughs> Speaking of, of the Kia Nero and other Kia or KN branded things, Ken. he said Matthew Dirks is asking, uh, he said, This wasn't the price of fun film he was promised. It's not, Matthew, because that is coming in the next few weeks after our road trip film. The uh, the Kia Nero is on our test drive channel, the road trip film, and price of fun to follow. I'm so excited about both of those, are on our original channel, so you can look for them there. We've got uh, questions about that electric GTI that's revealed at the Munich car show. Mm -hmm. I was reading currently about the Mercedes-Benz E-Class all-terrain because I just saw one on the road and that's coming. Mm. But this apparently is, uh, what, you can sort of shift gears on this, which is kind of interesting. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I mean, kind of, because it's an ID2 and that's what it's based upon. Single electric motor up front, driving the front wheels through limited slip and... I th is it just Volkswagen sort of throwing the enthusiast community a bone? Yeah. Like, yeah. here's a kind of a manual and it's going to mm -hmm. be sort of fakey, upshifty kind of thing. I mean, it looks actually pretty cool. I, I have to admit, I'd just like to see a really hot gas engine in that. Well, and I, I think, I still think that the idea of a manual transmission in an electric car is pointless. And because here's the thing, it's to do only it, for the to do it right, interaction. It's only but, for emotion. But that's to it. do it right, you've got to put a clutch pedal in. Yeah, yeah. And you're not going to put. That, that's, <laughs> and that's the thing nobody's talking about. They're talking about, oh, we're going to put a shift lever. You're not putting a clutch pedal in. You're not doing a me mechanical disruption of your electron motor. We're maybe you're we're not doing slam it. shifting like a hearse. No, it's no handle, see, and we're mm. just slam shifting this thing. And and here's the thing: if they do a clutch, here's what's going to happen: if they do a clutch pedal for an electric car, it's going to feel like you put your foot on a light switch. It's not going to feel like it's connected <laughs> to anything. True, because there's no reason for it to be connected. It's going to be clutched by wire, and it's going to feel awful. <laughs> They've been training us all this time with all this drive-by wire wire stuff. This is how it's supposed to feel. So when we feel it again, we're like, "Oh, that just feels normal." Like, no. I suppose. I mean, we don't like the break-by wire and things like the uh, yeah, Alfa okay. Romeo. So can you imagine clutch-by wire? Anyway, that's exciting. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, Rocco is asking a question that is: uh, Look, this could be a rabbit tr rabbit hole here, depending upon how you drive and how you want to drive this. But Rocco is saying he has a first gen, an NA MX-5 Miata with coilovers. He likes playful or exciting, or, and I'm reading this as like, not too much grip, please, driving. Okay? <laughs> he wants a little bit of slide. But as you know, the, uh, the NA Miata is not known for its uh, tire smoking goodness. It's not, a, it's not a powerful car. No, Mazda never de so designed he's, it He's asking mind. about how does he take his semi-stock in a Miata and get it essentially to slide around more. He's been looking at semi-slicks 
or an eco tire like a Prius tire. Now remember, when the uh, FRS was first released, it was released on a variant of the tire for the Prius because by giving it a lower grip tire, they said it would slide more. And it would, <laughs> except it would also <laughs> understeer more. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wanted to talk about that, but as a result of having a lower grip tire, it would also understeer more. That is the thing you're going to be fighting. I think you need to be one step down from the performance tires. You probably need to be into a like a performance all season. I mean, like like Vredestein has their their Vorti series, which is their high performance tire. Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. course, at the Michelin PS4s and all the others. I think you need to be a step down from that into a high performance all season. So you're not getting all the grip. Uh-huh, you're yeah. getting a versatile tire. Don't go to the full eco tire because that's gonna that's gonna in- introduce understeer. I fully believe that it will. I think if you go eco steer, yeah, exactly. Eco steer. Mm. I think if you go with a performance all season, you can wind up on something that really will work all the time. And I do want to call out our friends at Fredestein who have the Quad Track Pro, which is actually an all weather performance tire. High performance tire. Yes, it's all, all weather, weather high performance. It's not. It's not UHP, their right? full. It's not their full high performance world, but it is an all weather tire from them, which is very cool. I think that might be a good place to be. One last question for me from the Bruce B on Instagram from last time. He's asking, it's probably been done before, but it's a track daily crush, Rolex, Porsche, and blip shift. Watches. I'm leaving. Good night, guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I Porsche watches and blip shift. That's hard. It's, it's for you. Rolex, That's very hard for Porsche, you. and blip shift. I mean, this is uh-huh. car companies, watches, and clothing. Yeah. And blip shift, I have to dress myself. Ninety-three percent of my wardrobe's up to about ninety. It's going up, yeah. So blip shift. That is the daily tracking the Porsche, and I hate to say it, but as much as I like Rolex, I've really come around on Rolex because I always used to think they were just, you know, new money and dumb. And then I really dug into the history and their manufacturing and their patents, and it's fascinating. And for the motorsports they sponsor, and of course, Paul Newman wearing his, the Daytona, the famous Daytona, I, I've really come around. So Rolex, but, I think, but Rolex gets crushed in this sense. So I think yes. I am going to stay very consistent. Todd's eyes on are Rolex. glazed over. I didn't care about them and I still don't. <laughs> Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. We record on Mondays and Thursdays for release Tuesdays and Fridays. So we send out our social media and yep. usually it's with something interesting that we're driving. Hopefully crowns and zx 90s and all of the above yeah mclaren arturas and price of fun is coming too after the uh no after the road trip road road trip trip. is this sunday and then price of funds a few weeks back and those are going to be probably our two biggest pieces of the year though we're continuing to put big shoots on the calendar we're still into shooting weather in our area so we're trying to make the most of that and uh, yeah, it's we just start so much going on, but I love it. Crazy. We very much appreciate your interaction. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.